This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Matt Addison, with Paul Gorst and Ian Doyle actually alongside one another inside Echo Towers at the moment. I'm myself and Sean Bradbury still trapped at home for the time being, but hopefully back in person very soon. We're going to be looking back at this weekend's frustrating draw with Brighton and ahead, of course, to the midweek Champions League clash with Atletico Madrid at Anfield on Wednesday. But as ever, we'll review before we preview, and that means starting with the 2 all draw with Brighton on Saturday. Gorsty, I'll come over to you first. Liverpool didn't play particularly well over the weekend. Brighton, I thought, were very, very impressive. Was a draw about as much as Jurgen Klopp could expect, given those two performances? No, because I think once you're 2 0 up at home against Brighton after 25 minutes, um, I think you've got every right to expect the team to go on and get the full points. But once um, Mane's goal got ruled off, which is just after the half-hour mark, Liverpool completely just went AWOL. Um, Brighton got the way back into it, didn't he, through Mwepu, and we can argue all day whether he meant it or not, but um, either way, they were back in it. And at, at half-time, I'm sure Doyle will, will take full credits in this, but he was saying to me that Brighton are, are going to get something from it, and I thought maybe not, but as it's as it was still a 2-1 and Brighton came out in the second half and were pushing and probing for the, for the equaliser, I think the kind of anxiety on the you know in the crowd I think that spread into the players and there was just a bit of unnecessary nerves and I think by the end of it the players were completely racked by it and the fans weren't doing a whole lot to g them on and it was kind of a bit of a chicken and egg thing whereas by the fans need something from the players to, to get them going but the players needed a bit of a lift from the fans and neither of them could supply it and by the end Brighton were well worth the points and, and probably could have um, had all three points. So it was disappointing, but I think when you turn it up after 25 minutes, it doesn't matter who it is at Anfield, you're going to be massively frustrated not to have won the game and, you know, um, every point is, is going to be vital this season. So definitely two points dropped. And those two points dropped only mean that the midfield question is back, Genie Wan Alderman, so on and, and so forth. It did look a little bit jaded in that area of the pitch. I thought Adam Lallana and some of the Brighton players seem to, to overrun Liverpool in that sort of position at, at certain times. I know there are players sort of on the, the verge of, of returning in that position, but how much of a concern was that, do you think, on Saturday? Well, as you say, there were quite a few players missing. I think after 20 minutes, they were down to only three fit uh, midfielders. You, know, you saw Tyler Morton was on the bench. You know, I don't really think that was a game for him to be making his Premier League debut. And can, can I just say, it looks like I'm being held hostage here in this in this room. I mean, if anybody's out there can help, could you please send some cake, please? Okay, thank you. Uh, but yeah, going back to the pointy question. Yeah, I thought, just looking at Liverpool's performance generally, I thought from, okay, they did do better in the first 20 minutes. When Keita was on the field, it was clearly a game plan. You know, they went one nil up. They had a couple of other chances. And it wasn't long after he went off that they scored to make it a 2-0 great cross from Oxlade-Chamberlain. I think it was his first Premier League assist since Crystal Palace last season in the 7-0. But as Gorsty said, all the way through the game, I was like, not happy about this. Don't like the way they're playing. Doesn't look right. And, you know, Jurgen Klopp said it himself in the press conference after the game. He said, if there's one team that you don't want to be leaving half spaces in the Premier League or spaces in between the, the lines. It's Brighton because that's the way that they play. You know, you saw Trossard 
playing as a, a false nine. You know, Liverpool. Some of the defenders didn't really know where where, where to go. They, they kind of did a they did a Liverpool on Liverpool to a certain degree, and it and it worked. I mean, if Liverpool had played anything like anywhere near the best, they would have won, and and they still scored two goals. But it's difficult to be too critical uh, with the midfield that actually was out there by the end, even though. I gave them really rubbish marks, but that's because you based it on their performance. But just looking at it generally, because that's a midfield that would never normally have started a game, certainly not a game like that. And they're just trying to make the best of, of, of what they had. And the fact that they had that 2-0 lead fairly early on, that 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 prevented them from suffering an even, even worse fate. I mean, I personally think it was a good point in the end because that's the worst Liverpool have played since they got beat at Real Madrid. So... You know, it's very rare for me to be a, a glass half full kind of person, as anybody knows me. But that's the way that I look at it: is that Liverpool just were shocking it, it, it at times. It wasn't just the midfield either, although that was a contributing factor. I must admit that I think I gave Jordan Henderson a five, and speaking to some people afterwards, I think somebody gave somebody gave him like saying he was their man of the match, and it's partly because he was covering all the time for for Curtis Jones and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain couldn't be in all the places at once. But the the problem you had is that. He certainly wasn't there when Brighton were getting their chances, and you know it was it was a strange game. You know, was you know if if that Mane one where they charge down the keeper goes in and it's three 0 it's game over. Then don't think anybody could have complained too much. But you know he was a bit unlucky for it to get disallowed. Goes to two one with that kind of fluke, even though Garth Crooks reckons it was completely meant, and just Allison was blinded by the sun and all kind of stuff like that. Um, even though the sun had gone in by that point, I think it had, um, but. Overall, yeah, didn't really function properly, but just one of those. And what is it, 24 games unbeaten now? So Liverpool are still very, very difficult to beat, even when they're not playing well. Yeah, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain came on, Sean, and, and got the assist for, for the Mane header, as, as Doherty says. But what did you make of, of him in general? I mean, to me, he just looked like a player who hadn't really been trusted so far this season and gets thrown in because basically that is the situation that he finds himself in. Yeah, absolutely. I thought, to be honest... He, even looked tired, arguably by half time, and, and and certainly by sixty. But it wasn't an individual thing. I think, as as the lads have alluded to already, midfield was the biggest issue. I thought the problems there really started when when Cater went off. You know, he looked so sharp going forward and was helping in the way that he does pin Brighton back. But then Oxley Chamberlain, yeah, you know, he's he's a good direct player, isn't he? But I think you know we've we've often seen some of his limitations and also seen the things that do make you excited about him and when he does come in from the cold or, you know, when he's recovered from injuries, there is always that bit of hope that he'll come in and, and do a job. But, you know, sometimes when you think about it, he's often utilised a bit further forward, isn't he, and in, in the forward line. And I think the the deficiencies in his game were exposed a little bit at the weekend. But but I wouldn't pin it all on him by by any means. I think, you know, Henderson, as, as Tony said already, um, it was a strange performance because I thought in, in the first half hour when Liverpool in general were taking along really well, he, he was excellent. And it was almost at that point, it was the kind of game that suits him where he can just put his foot on the ball and ping passes around. But I, I don't know, maybe you can even argue it was a warning sign. The fact that he got that further fo- that far forward to score the initial goal, you know, it, it was it was very different at times from what you'd expect as from Fabinho in that number six role. And I do sometimes think with Henderson against the team who are kind of adventurous, but also disciplined and worked to a good game plan in the way that Brighton did. It he it does seem in his game that he is the stand-in number six. I mean, that that's what he is, isn't he? We've obviously seen him excel in that role and he's had a lot of minutes in that role over several seasons. But 
he'd be the first to say, as he did say to Klopp one time, you know, he thinks he's better in the number eight position. And, and I'd certainly agree with that. He, you know, he, is, he isn't Fabinho, is he? And then I think Curtis Jones as well, a, a player who was thrust into the limelight maybe last season and got more minutes than he would have done. And who realistically is probably the fifth, sixth, seventh choice, maybe, if you, if you can see it as bluntly as that, to be one of those number eight positions ahead of Fabinho or Henderson. And, you know, he's, he's, he's going to be a brilliant player in the future, but he's still learning in the present. And I think you saw that a bit with him in midfield, where specifically for the first goal, I think he, he did a bit of ball chasing. You know, he was he almost formed a line of four with the forwards to try and get at the ball. And then suddenly, you know, a few seconds later, he was he was back in the box, ball chasing at the other end. And both of those actions seemed to create a bit of space. So, yeah, I think it was, it was, it was a wider thing in the midfield that allowed Brighton to find some gaps. And as the guys have already said, it was a clever plan with... Trossard's positioning. It reminded me a little bit of what Atletico Madrid did to Liverpool. You know, again, in similar circumstances, Liverpool had a 2-0 lead and then just good patterns of play exploited them and opened them up a little bit. So I certainly wouldn't pin it on an, on any one individual. And, you know, whilst it is a little bit of a recurring pattern, this getting to 2-0 and then having a bit of a wobble, obviously, as I say, it happened against Madrid, happened against AC Milan and Liverpool did go over the line in those games. But it's not going to happen every time, is it? But, you know, the, the cavalry is coming back, isn't it, in terms of midfield? And I don't. I think it's a bit rich. I've seen a few suggestions on social media that you know, looking back to the summer and saying, "Oh, here you go. Here's here's the proof that it was a big problem that they didn't get a, another body in." And whilst that, you know, there's there's a little bit of merit to that. It's it's a it's a, it's an injury crisis in midfield, isn't it? I think it's you know it's a little bit unprecedented that as the guys have said, Liverpool were down to essentially three fit senior midfielders and. That's not going to be the case for long, is it? Fabinho, Thiago and others are on the way back and it'll be a very different picture then when, when they return. Yeah, I think it is. It's all part of a wider issue, isn't it, Gorsty, within that midfield? I mean, for me, it's it's not necessarily a case of not having the, the extra body to come in for Wijnaldum, but maybe the extra number six. Obviously, Jordan Henderson prefers to be a little bit further forward. I do think there is a bit of an argument that they are a little bit light. I know Fabinho is not going to miss that many games, but that does sort of feel like one that we did look at in the summer and think, well, do you want Henderson to be there week in, week out? Possibly not. Yeah, maybe. It's uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because when everyone's fit and you're looking at the options, you think um, you can understand why they haven't gone after the midfielder because there's such a variety of skills and ability within the midfield options. When you look at whether it's Cater or Thiago, Fabinho, Henderson, Harvey Elliott's kind of taken the first steps in his, uh, his career. Curtis Jones, a little bit further along the way, but, you know, similar um, there's a lot of versatility and a lot of different skills within the, a full complement of midfielders. But the, the argument is that Liverpool haven't really learned a lesson from the centre back situation last year. But um, so they, they've got they've got three fit now, haven't they? And, and um, they do play three. Maybe Klopp can look at that and maybe go four two three one. But against Atletico Madrid and the Champions League coming up, I'm not sure that would be. To wise um, West Ham absolutely flying at the moment, aren't they? So I'm not sure whether Klopp would look to do it there either. So um, the hope is that Fabinho's complicated, comma not very complicated injury, as Jurgen Klopp called it on Friday, is not actually that complicated, and he is back sooner rather than later. But you never know, do you, with Liverpool and, and the kind of vague injury updates? You know, Klopp spent three months kind of just making us all believe that Thiago was going to be playing in the next game and he was out for nearly three months last season. Um, those appear to be as though Thiago is getting closer 
this time around, but um, he could do with him back this week. I don't think he's going to be starting if he is fit, but you know he hasn't played for six weeks, and it's, it's just be an extra option wonder in midfield because, as we saw against Brighton on um, Saturday, that that midfield three at the moment is not ideal, even though it's the only three cops got to choose from. Jurgen Klopp said though he wasn't best pleased with the body language of some of his players post-match. I thought it was interesting that he chose those words. I didn't necessarily think it was a, an attitude problem or, or anything like that, more just a bit of tiredness and, and not having the options available. But I suppose a, a return to the mentality monsters probably wouldn't go amiss. Well, they must, they're clearly mentality monsters. They've gone 24 games unbeaten. So I don't think I don't think there's too much of a problem there. And as I said before, I think I did see some people saying, oh, mentality mice and all that kind of stuff. That was a game where they could easily have lost, could easily have lost that game to in that second half because, you know, <clears throat> anybody who saw it knew that that Brighton equaliser was, was was coming and that they had about two or three chances before then. Liverpool could easily have capitulated and they didn't. And that's, I know it's not much for fans who think that they need to win every single game to win the league with Chelsea winning all the time and City, you know, suffering a rare defeat. But that's just the case. That's just what happens. Liverpool, was it when they won the league, they only lost three games, won 30-odd season before they only lost once that's not normal this is more like a normal kind of title challenge this is what happens and liverpool have gone 24 games unbeaten only once in their entire history they've done have they gone more and you know that that does suggest to me there's not that much of a problem with the mentality but you're right in the sense that they weren't happy because they weren't playing particularly well and they couldn't really find a way out of it because there weren't that many options to actually change things around because of what was happening with the midfield i think uh, another miss was milner i think He's somebody else that he's one of those players where when he's there, people kind of take him a little bit for granted. But when he's when he's not, suddenly it's like that would be a, a game where he would definitely have played, definitely have played that game. And he'd have done a good job. Even if he goes off after 60, 70 minutes, then you are throwing someone like Ox or Jones on. Let's just say it was Milner, um, Milner Henderson and Cater. Cater goes off to 20 minutes. You throw it on Jones. That's better for him because he's playing a little bit further forward. He doesn't have possibly quite the same amount of respons defensive responsibility that he had, which is something that's not – he has done it before in the past, but that's not really his game. And as, as the lads have said, he's just he's still learning the game, so there's nothing wrong with that. I, I mean, I, I wasn't massively overly – I'd have been more concerned had that midfield been Fabinho and Cater and, I don't know, Thiago, and they'd have played like that because at least there's a reason for it. And – and let's not forget, it wasn't just those. I mean, I, I mean, Trent, Trent, what was he doing first half? He seems when Cater went off, I think he seemed to think he was still on. So they were still playing to that kind of game plan where Oxlade Chambers on a completely different kind of player and still trying to get to terms with with, with what was required from him in that, in, that, in that game. And again, don't want to be too harsh on him because he's hardly played a game. And it was interesting that Klopp was asked after the game about him and he said, look, he got what was it, 90 or near enough 90 in, in, in at Preston on, on Wednesday. He's got another 70 here. He's building up the game. He, he didn't feature a lot last season for various reasons. And I think he, he is still getting up to speed and Liverpool are going to need him because, you know, as we've seen, there are going to be injuries in midfield. There's no point just absolutely lambasting all these players because they're still getting results, if not the results that Liverpool fans perhaps want. I mean, you can't be brilliant every game. And if you're not going to be brilliant, make sure you don't lose. And that's what Liverpool did. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. At the back, Sean, it was Ibrahima Konate alongside Virgil van Dijk. Can we learn anything from that? Or is it just a case of rotation do you think will be needed in those positions for, for the next few weeks? Yeah, exactly that. I think, you know, after that... Um, 
the the progress in the Carabao Cup. Um, I was just looking at that the other day because I was, I was working when we did the the live coverage of the of the draw for a blog on Saturday morning. There's nine games in December, isn't there? So I think to get through that run and obviously the the, the games and the midweek games at the end of November as well, you're going to have to have every single centre half fit and having had game time. Um, so yeah, can can I say I think I think it was partly that I think. Brighton are just an odd side, though, aren't they? Because they're one of those teams who seem to have a mix of, of everything. You know, they've got height in positions where you wouldn't normally expect it. The fellow who played out on the left, is it Modair? He, you know, he seems to be the biggest fellow on the pitch and, you know, the size of a centre-half. So I think that there were there was probably a little bit of that, getting Kanate in there for some aerial presence as well, I'd have thought. And, but, yeah, just to get him used to first-team action, you know, it's, it's still one of the only first few games he, he started in, isn't it? And um, building on his Old Trafford success... And to be honest, I thought he was he was he was broadly pretty good, but you, you did see a couple of moments where, again, I, I'd say a lot of this was attributable to, to Brighton making some good tactical decisions. You know, they they tried to get him pulled out to areas where you wouldn't really say a centre half is comfortable. You know, attacking a space in behind Trent and trying to draw him wide, open up a bit of space through the middle so Muepu and others could could bomb forward. But you know, mostly he did okay. There was a couple of times where holding the line and, and, and his positioning wasn't maybe ideal, but, you know, that, that'll come in time, won't it? You know, I still think he's had a sensible start to his Liverpool career in terms of how he's being eased in. Although, you know, you can say throwing him in at Old Trafford wasn't necessarily um, easing in, but, you know, in terms of his actual number of minutes so far. But, yeah, I'd, I mean, we'll come on to Atletico and, and, and West Ham, you know, two two big games, but... Personally, I I wouldn't expect to see him again midweek. I think Matip will come back in, and and that's a sensible thing. But he's got minutes under his belt, as I say, for when this uh, really tricky run comes along in in December, when it's a game every three or four days. Yeah, we'll move on to, to Atletico very shortly. But just before we do, Ghost, it's two or more goals conceded in four <coughs> of the last eight games, five of the last eleven for Liverpool. Is that a concern? Do you think, or is the explanation partly the midfield and, and partly the rotation and? Do we just think over the next few weeks that kind of stuff is all about? Um, probably a little bit more of a concern than, than Klopp would like it to be. I think Liverpool started the season really well defensively, didn't they? It looked like Van Dijk and Matip were basically back to the best. But as we know, that neither of them have played too much this calendar year. So it was always going to be a case of resting and, and rotating where possible. Um but I think, I think as long as Liverpool keep winning, I don't think it's going to be a massive problem. I think slowly but surely they will start to tighten it up. I think I think Brentford was the real problem, wasn't it, where they conceded three and seemed to get completely flummoxed by the overloads at the back post. You know, I think all three of Brentford's goals that day came via situations like that. And, and you know, other teams have looked to exploit it. Brighton exploited Liverpool a little bit differently. You know, they're equalising on on Saturday was superb, to be fair. I think Robert Sanchez pings it out to the left and three passes later, Trossard's round and Robertson is sticking in the back of the net. So sometimes you just have to accept that other teams have played through you quite well. But um, yeah, I think I think as Liverpool come into the winter months now and, and I think from the West Ham game, uh, sorry, from the Arsenal game, after the international break, they've got 12 games until the end of December. So I think once we get into that rhythm, I think Liverpool will start to just kind of tighten up the spaces and we might see a few more clean sheets on the board. 
yeah, certainly not something to be overly concerned about just yet. And that was Brighton. And strangely, the more important game of the week, arguably, compared to the midweek game with Atletico Madrid, given Liverpool's situation in their Champions League group, Doily will come on in the second part of the show now to preview that game. As much as Liverpool don't need to beat Atletico Madrid, they'll qualify if they do. That surely would go a long way to helping them rotate in future matches. Well, obviously, I mean, they'd rather win than anything else. But I do think possibly we'll get into the team selection in a bit. I think there will be a little bit of rotation with that in mind. Liverpool, uh, Liverpool have got two home games, haven't they? They've got this game, then they've got Porto in a couple of weeks and one win there. I'm pretty sure we would do it. You'd, you'd think that they're going to get that. But, yeah, it is, it is a strange one because you know this will be a massive game for Atletico. They haven't started particularly well. Have they? What was it? They drew at home with Porto and they won at Milan, but that was a last-minute penalty when they were playing against 10 men for quite a bit of the game. And obviously, they got beat at home by Liverpool. So, for them, this is a far bigger game. And it, it's weird in a way because does that mean that they have to go a bit more on the attack, which is very much not the kind of Atletico thing to do? Or do, will they think that a draw is a good result and then just take the chances against winning in Porto and... Uh, and beating Milan at home. So if both teams very early on decide, well, a draw is a good result, we may end up being a bit of a nothing match, which we have seen in the past, certainly the group stage, where Atletico and Liverpool, we're talking a long time ago now, what was it, 2008-9, I think it was, when they played each other and both games ended, I'm pretty sure, one-all draws. So the, you know, that could happen. I mean, again, I mentioned before about the, this unbeaten run for Liverpool, if they do avoid defeat, they'll match the club record. I'm pretty sure they won't be thinking of that. But it's interesting, Sadio Mane was talking in the in the programme uh, before the game on, on Saturday, he was reading that, and he said that, look, talk about the Premier League, saying we, we should look to try and go un, be unbeaten. He wasn't saying, like, we are going to do that. He wasn't making this big declaration, but he was saying, look, that's the kind of thing we should be doing, being difficult to beat, because then you've got a very good chance of winning games. And I think that's something that, as I said before about the mentality, that's what's in in Liverpool's locker at the moment. Um, I do think that um, possibly, I think that the game will more be more determined on how Atletico want to approach it than Liverpool. I think if you said to Liverpool, there's a point, I think Liverpool would be like, sound, that's good. They'd rather get the win, but what they don't want is any more injuries. And as you said, as you said, Matt, I think this is possibly the, the least important of the three games they'll play this week. If they want to, get a win in the next two. The one they'd want to win more than any of the others is against West Ham. Yeah, it really is interesting, Sean, isn't it? How Atletico will set this one up because typically you would expect them to defend, but not only do they need a result, but that's not really what they did in the game a couple of weeks back. Well, no, this, this is it. And I think I think Dory's right. It's, it's a different balance of power, certainly to when the game in Spain took place, but arguably to any of the games recently when Liverpool played Atletico, be it in the group or or in the knockouts a couple of seasons back, you know, I think it's got the potential to be to be difficult and, and tight again. But I, I do think Atletico have just got to, they've got to mix it up, haven't they? They've got to be a little bit more on the front foot and and, and try and, and go for Liverpool and, and not play their natural game. And I, I was looking at the permutations before and I, I think it's interesting. I, I, I do think Liverpool can maybe afford to change their setup a little bit for this one. And I'm not saying, you know, well, they're, they're, in midfield, certainly, as we've said, they pretty much can't rotate too much. But I'd certainly be inclined to play to play a two and and then hopefully have a base of six players who can keep it tight, keep it solid and make sure that Atletico aren't knocking on the door constantly. And I'd play four of the attackers and just, you know, make sure that Liverpool are asking questions at the other end and almost playing on the break a little bit if that's, 
if Atletico are adventurous enough to let that happen. Because I think a draw pretty much, without mathematically guaranteeing it, you know, it certainly means AC Milan can't match Liverpool's points tally. And if I'm right, I think that it would have to go a certain way with um, Milan and Porto both winning. And ultimately, I think I think if Liverpool got 10 points, Porto could still get 10. But then it would, be, it would come down to head-to-head, goal difference in head-to-head matches, which obviously Liverpool have got a huge advantage there, haven't they? So for me, it looks like a game where if Liverpool draw it, they're pretty much home and hose that in finishing, you know, first or second in the group, which as we've seen in recent seasons, doesn't really matter, does it? And, you know, where, where you finish. And so, yeah, like you said before, Matt, I think the important games this this week bookend this this Champions League tie in a way, you know, Liverpool just need to really make sure they don't lose this one, um, which again, as we've said, you know, how many, how many games are they unbeaten? And Atletico did give Liverpool a, a real test recently, but I think even with the depleted nature of the squad and midfield at the moment, Klopp is still capable of putting out a team who can at least draw this game, you know, and, and cause Atletico some problems. And I think if they did mix it up a little bit formation-wise, I know we'll we'll come on to exactly what we do and how we play it, but it just offers a little bit of a different challenge, doesn't it, to, to Madrid and something different that they'll have to figure out. Because, you know, as we've already said, I think they, they did cope fairly successfully eventually after, after Liverpool's bright start with what the Reds were throwing at them. So, yeah, I think of of these next two, Liverpool have, have done so well putting themselves in this position in the Champions League that they can afford to just breathe out a little bit. And, you know, not everything is riding on this midweek game, is it? And and the much more important one, especially after the events of this weekend, is, is West Ham on Sunday. Yeah, James Milner and Naby Keita both started a, a couple of weeks ago. Neither of those two available in midfield, Ghost. It, it is interesting, obviously, with the, the lack of options. We have seen Jurgen Klopp put players in that we maybe didn't expect. You think of Divock Origi against AC Milan, for example. You think we could see a, a couple of surprises just because, as we've said, you know, West Ham is, is far bigger than this one. Uh, in terms of midfield, no, not not in terms of personnel. I think maybe he could play two instead of three and then maybe just go Henderson. But then the other two are not exactly defensive-minded type of midfielders, are they? So, Again, that, that's another tough one whether he'll be able to do that. So um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Uh, Minamino kind of come on in midfield the other day, but the only thing he, he did in the game is get booked for, for overrunning it towards the end. So um, I, I think I, I don't think he, he's got too many options. I think it's going to have to be a case of Henderson, um, Jones and uh, and Oxley Chamberlain as as he kind of hinted on Friday. Thiago was getting closer and closer, but still don't think he'll be starting. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was in the squad, but there's no way he'll be starting after over six weeks out. So um, you know he, he might kind of rotate his centre backs. He might bring in Jota. He might even give a Rigi a little run out. But um, in terms of midfield options, as Anza type kind of back, I think. Yeah, I suppose they'll know as well more in terms of whether Thiago or, or Fabinho possibly might be fit for the weekend. That might play into it as well. But uh, before we go on to, to pick our teams then, Doyle, I'll, I'll come to you for, for this one. Just a, a quick word on, on Luis Suarez. We saw a lovely reception for, for Adam Lallana at full time <laughs> against Brighton. I suspect that Luis Suarez won't be uh, having the, the same thing. It depends, really. If Liverpool win, they'll give him a big round of applause. They'll absolutely love it. Um, it's whether Suarez will be quite appreciative of that. I don't know. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, let's face it, Liverpool fans do still love Luis Suarez. Not having what happened at the Barcelona game, that just happens, doesn't it? You know, he did. He was doing exactly what he did when he was at Liverpool. That's why Barcelona fans loved him. He's doing it with Atletico now. That's why Atletico fans love him. You know, that's why the Uruguay national team, all the Uruguay, you know, he's just being himself. They can't expect anything different. I mean, he only came on for the last few minutes, didn't he, in the, in the first game uh, the other week in Spain. So I wouldn't be surprised if he starts this one. He'll be absolutely... I mean, fancy, you know, it's just as well it's Diego Simeone because imagine if any other manager saying to him, yeah, Luis, you're not playing today. Can you imagine that? You know, Simeone's about the only person who could possibly go up and say, right, that's what's happening. So, yeah, I think Suarez, he will at some point during the evening get a good reception. But if he gets on the pitch, he will at some point do something that will massively wind the crowd up. And that's just Luis Suarez. What do you expect? Yeah, exactly that. Certainly be a, a talking point one way or the other on Wednesday night. And just before we finish then, we'll go on to, to pick our teams. We know that Alison Becker will be in goal. Gorsty, I'll come to you for the back four. I'm expecting Joel Matip probably will come back in for this one. But is there any other changes you think <clears throat> could be made for the defence? Simakash uh, for Robertson is a bit of a shout, isn't it? But I, I, don't, I don't see it myself. He could have done a lot better for the equaliser, but still think Robertson's top-class left-back. and um, I think he'll start. And I agree with you on, on the matter front. I think he'll probably play alongside um, Virgil van Dijk. Sean, what's it going to be for you? Is there a case for, for Simicast? Is there a case for maybe a couple of changes at centre-back, given that West Ham's to, to come at the weekend? Yeah, I'd certainly go with Matip. Um, I'd be half tempted to potentially include Gomez at, at right back, only because I, I would look to play four-two-three-one if if at all possible. And you know, as as we've already said, I think that is heavily reliant on who would be fit to partner Henderson in a two. But I think if you're doing that and you've got four forwards effectively, you know, ahead of those two midfielders, it might be an occasion where you could get away with Gomez. And I, I think I would be tempted to play Simakas. Only because I'm not entirely sure of the international fixtures, but I'm guessing once again Robertson's going to have a, a busy schedule and will be required to to play, um, you know, a, a couple of games for Scotland. You know, I'm not saying Simicast won't for, for Greece as well, but you know, Robertson's been been a busy man, hasn't he? So I, I think I would make that change and um, yeah, but the possibility of Gomez in over Trent as well. Dory, what about your defence? How many uh, how many changes are you expecting? Well, I hadn't considered Gomez at right back, but Sean's just talked me into it. Um, and part of the reason is because five subs, and we'll get onto it in a bit. Uh, but I think I would have the back four. I would have Simicas playing, uh, and have Matip and Van Dijk, and I'd have Gomez at right back. Yeah. Interesting. I'll stick with you for your midfield. Then is it a three or is it a two for you? It's a two, and my two are going to be Jordan Henderson, and I don't care how fit or not he is. I'm going to put Thiago in. Simply because the five subs, if he's tired after 45, you take him off. And then you could even try putting Trent there because you know, he's going to be coming in off the bench. So I think they had a little sp- weird. I'm sure he played in midfield for about five minutes towards the end of the game yes, uh, on Saturday. Or it might just be my imagination. They were just moving around after a corner or something. But I'm sure he was there. But yeah, I'd have Henderson and Thiago as the two. Yeah, he did seem very central at times. Even in the first half, I thought that he was very... Very in the middle, trying to get the ball. But uh, Ghosty, I'll come to you. Is it a, a three or, or a two in, in your midfield? Yeah, it's going to have to be a three. It's going to have to be the same three you started on Saturday. Um, I mean, Doyle's put Thiago on his team there, but 
the reality is that the way Jurgen Klopp is with these vague updates, it might even be after the international break that we see Thiago. Um, hopefully that isn't the case, but you can never be too sure, can you? Because it's always very vague and open-ended. Um, but yeah, I just think he's going to have to stick with the three who played on Saturday. Sean, I think you're going for a two-man midfield. Who is going to be partnering Jordan Henderson? Yeah, well, from what both both lads have said there, I do feel like I'm cheating slightly as well, but I would I would look to do Henderson and Thiago if at all possible, but fully accept, as, as Gorsi said, that you know it's touch and go at, at the very best, isn't it, in terms of how much training time Thiago's had. I mean, if he's not, I'd, I'd still try and do it. Interesting what Doherty said about, about a Trent cameo there, but I'd probably go Henderson and Jones if, if Thiago is definitely unavailable. Yeah, Henderson and Jones, I think it is for me. I'll come back to you, Sean, as well for your front four. Is it just the front four or is there a shout for a Minamino or a Rigi, perhaps? I think both of them have got a shout, but on, on Doyle's point before about the amount of subs available, I'd, I'd start with the four main men, um, you know, in, in the way that we've seen them cause a bit of damage a few times in this formation, haven't we? Um, in the 4 2 3 1. So, yeah, be, be uh, Firmino and, and Salah, well, Salah or Jota, probably actually Jota up top. Um, on on his own, given Salah's been thriving, obviously in the in his usual position, so it's a bit more like it if he's on the right and Mane on the left. But yeah, I think Minamino certainly and and, uh, and Arigi obviously being being in the goals, pressed and um, they've they've more than earned a half hour cameo if if the game allows for it on Wednesday. Dory, what about your front four? Is it the same front four in the same positions as what Sean says? Of course, it isn't. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to go with. Do you know what? I'm going to go with Firmino as the other midfielder. And I'm going to go Mane left, um, Salah right, and I'm going to put Origi up front because of the five subs. They can just change everything around because it's not, Atletico Madrid won't be expecting it. And by the time that then they've sorted it out, they'll just change it at half time anyway. Ghosty, three for you. So who's going to miss out? I think you're on mute there, mate. I think, um, I think Firmino's been. He's been excellent, hasn't he, last last few weeks? Um, so, and, and I just feel Jota seems to do his best work away from Anfield, so I might just keep it as it is. Um, Mane on the left, Jota on the bench, Firmino and, and Salah. Yeah, nice little Diogo Jota cameo. I think uh, we'd all mm. uh, appreciate a, a little appearance off the bench from him to, to change the game as we say five substitutions to change things around for Jurgen Klopp but those are, are our teams then we'll go around and, and do our usual score predictions to finish I'm going to go for another two-all draw I think Ghosty how do you reckon it might be yeah as uh, as Doyle was, was picking his team then I was thinking about the predictions and I think it'll be another really tough game um Liverpool don't really need maximum points um so yeah may, maybe another Entertaining to all draw. Dolly, are you in agreement or do you reckon Liverpool might have the edge? Um, I don't think Liverpool have the edge. I think it'll either be one all or a very narrow win for Atletico. And Sean, to finish, any chance for a Liverpool win? None of us have gone for it so far. Go on, I'll, I'll say Liverpool's a nick it 2-1, but in reality, I think it'll be one all. Interesting, yeah. Draws all round for us then. I'm sure Liverpool, to be fair, would take that given the position in the group that they're in. We'll have all of the build-up and the reaction to the game, of course, across the Liverpool Echo, liverpool.com and the Blood Red channel over the next few days. For now, though, from myself, Matt Addison, Paul Ghost, Ian Doyle and Sean Bradbury. Until next time, it's goodbye. 
You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.